me share with you what I think is one of actually the truest things I'm seeing each and every single day. This is something I'm running into that I know. I know for a fact other people are seeing this. And here's the thing. I feel like this is important to me and I want to talk about this because I'm actually trying to live in such a way that I'm being true to this ethos. And it's this. It's that the world needs, the world desperately needs creative people. The world desperately needs passionate people. The world is literally at a severe loss of people who want to think differently, people who want to act differently, people who are trying to materialize things that have never been materialized. The world, even though it's more populated than it's ever been, it's at a greater deficiency of new and creative people, of people excited about their life, excited about their opportunities, jumping out of the bed to pursue why it is that they're here on earth. And you know what? I say that and people hear how I speak and they see the running and they see the podcast and they see everything that I post and their first thought is to hate. You know, they, they say, oh, what are you talking about? Who do you think you are? Tony Robbins? Uh, who do you think you are? You think you're Dave Goggins out there running? And the answer is no. I'm not Tony Robbins. I'm not David Goggins. Although, look, I love those guys and I look up to those guys, David Goggins especially. And those are guys who I aspire truly to take their best traits and implement them into my own life. But let me tell you this. Years ago, I started to really study the art and the science that goes into salesmanship. And one of the guys who I was really following closely, and don't laugh at me for this or don't think that I mean this uh, in a, a sharky type of predatory way, but was Jordan Belfort. And Jordan Belfort is the wolf of Wall Street. If you ever saw the movie, you know exactly who I'm talking about. This is someone who made millions upon millions upon millions of dollars by selling penny stocks. And, you know, he did defraud people. But let me tell you this. Jordan Belfort was able to figure out how to speak in such a way that he was able to identify value to some of the nation's smartest and most elite people. And so literally, he was able to sell to some of the smartest people living in the world. Say what you want to say about Jordan Belfort, and I'm not trying to actually you know, condemn his actions, although I don't believe they're right. I'm not trying to make a character statement. I'm just saying there's a certain skill that Jordan Belfort has in being able to sell. And I talk about Belfort, and I talk about selling because... I myself became obsessed, literally obsessed with this process of figuring out how is it that I can speak in such a way? How is it that more so I can listen in such a way, present an idea in such a way that I can make someone say yes, that someone would want to buy my product, not just buy it, but come back and buy 10 more. That's what I was after. And what I did was I studied the best in the game. I studied Everything about them, I read their books, I listened to their podcasts, and when I was reading their books, I was thinking about how they were putting together their sentences and their paragraphs and their chapters to sell their idea. When I was listening to the podcast, I was listening for the tonalities. I was listening for how they were putting together their ideas and presenting them to me because they were selling. 
And I was thinking about how I could do more of that with my own life. And so I kept putting myself in a position where I was walking in someone else's shoes. I kept putting myself in a position where I was living my life, not through my own lens, but through someone else's lens. And that was an important part of the journey. And that was a necessary part of the journey. But in trying to understand tonality, in trying to understand how to sell, in trying to understand voice, what I realized was, is I'm not looking for the voice of David Goggins. I'm not looking for the voice of Tony Robbins. I'm not looking for the voice of Andy Frisella, although that guy has been hugely impactful for me. I, what is the voice I'm looking for? I'm looking for my own voice. I want to be able to speak with my own voice. I want my voice to be my voice. And I say that to tie it into the very first idea is that the world is at an extreme lack of creative and original thinkers. People who are trying to do things that have never been done before. People who are trying to realize realities that they have never yet stepped into, but they know, they know that that is meant for them. They know that there is this better life that they should be living, that they could be living. But what happens is they talk about it and they sometimes take the steps. They sometimes take the action. They're committed to it for a little bit of time. And then what do we see? What do we see? What do we see? We see that they fall off. We see that they stop. How many people did I see alone in my own life in this past year? Friends, famous athletes, um, artists, musicians, um, motivational speakers, business gurus. How many of these people did I see in 2020 when I spent hundreds, hundreds of hours listening to podcasts while running marathon after marathon after ultra marathon. How many of them started a podcast? And after one episode, after two episodes, they were done. The vast majority of them, the vast majority of them, they did their one episode, they did their two episodes, three, four, five, not really. I didn't see that. But they did those first few episodes and then they realized that you know, maybe they didn't have much to say or maybe they were trying to say something that wasn't theirs to say. Maybe they thought they had a voice, but they realized that the voice they thought they had, it wasn't theirs. It was someone else's. And they were just confused with thinking that someone else's voice was theirs. And so they were back at that finish point, but really the starting point of asking themselves that question once more, that that fabled, lifelong old question of who am I? And not just who am I, but what am I trying to do? Why am I trying to accomplish this? What is the motivation? What is the motivation and how is that proportional to why I'm doing it? And most people can't answer that question with any sort of consistency. And so when people have that 21 day, hey, I'm going to do this one thing for 21 days. Hey, I'm going to do this new meditation for 30 days. Hey, I'm going to do this new juice cleanse for 14 days. And what happens? What happens 99 out of 100 times? What happens? We all see it. It's they fall off. And they fall off. And they fall off. And they fall off. 
Because why? Why do they fall off? Why do they fall off? Why why have I fallen off? Why? Why? <laughs> you know, that's that's a question I found myself asking. It's 2:30 a.m. in the morning, and I'm running a 50-mile race in Denver, Colorado that no one else is running. It's just me. It's just me out there, and I've gone past a thousand stoplights. And I've seen my shadows. I, I call nighttime racing chasing shadows because you're running from one post to the next post and these are light posts and you're just chasing your shadow and the shadow grows from small to tall to long to small again. And you do it and you do it and you do it again and you're reminded that and you're brought to the idea of why am I doing this? And what we find out is that our motivation for beginning, it doesn't carry us. You know, this idea that, hey, I feel good. I feel hot at the very beginning. You know, we can use that for the first day, for that first week, and we're hot, we're feeling good. But what happens after that feeling goes? I mean, what, what happens? We stop. And this isn't a new idea. This is actually something that's gaining a bit of popularity nowadays. So I don't want to be the carnival barker saying something that, a few people are saying, but it isn't mainstream yet. And if you're listening to this right now, I promise you that this is going to be one of the big ideas. But motivation, if you're counting on it to carry you, good luck. It will never carry you. I think about motivation as the cherry to the cake. And the cake itself is the work. And here's the thing. Do you enjoy eating cake? I mean, they, they, you got to say yes. You got to say yes. I love to eat cake. Cake tastes great. I love chocolate cake, vanilla cake. Uh, I don't know, freaking whatever cake out there. We like cake. Why is that? Because it's sweet. It tastes good. It gives us the head rush. That's why we like cake. But people, and I'm guilty of this too in certain privations and certain aspects of my life, and I'm trying to work through it. But the work is the cake. And, you know, it's such a cliched thing to talk about. Ah, you got to fall in love with the process. You've got to fall in love with the work. Let me tell you this. Friday night, this past Friday night, I was so proud and I was so happy with this experience I had. But I drove down to Galveston, Texas from Houston, Texas. And I'm driving down there. It's 8, eight o'clock at night when I finally make it. And I park my sedan on the beach. And I have this thought in my mind that I'm going to try to run a marathon. And I have this thought in my mind that, well, let's just start with a half marathon. And then I also have this thought in my mind that I'm going to try to do more than a marathon. I'm going to go try to put down 30 miles. And I'm kind of laughing to myself throughout this run thinking that I'm going to try to do this because I literally, I don't even have a water bottle with me. I don't have more than 16.9 fluid ounces of water with me. The only place that I have 16.9 fluid ounces of water is in my sedan. And I can't run with the car in my back. And I'm not going to run with this water bottle just because that's not what I'm trying to do right now. And so I run that first 14 miles and it was beautiful. Around 13 miles, I'm putting down a great pace. So I'm on track to qualify for Boston. To be on track to qualify for Boston is a th sub three hour marathon. Of the people that race competitively, it is 1% of 1% of people that are able to qualify for Boston. 
So that is giving you an idea of the elite level at which I am running. I don't say that as a brag. I say that just to let you know I've dedicated every single aspect, all of my thoughts, my energies, not to quite say the running, but to dedicating my thoughts to God. And in doing such, I'm able to run the ultra. And so I'm 14 miles in, and my legs at this point in my lower back, they're on fire. They're literally on fire. They're burning. And I'm laughing to myself because I know I've got 12.2 more miles to get to 26.2 miles marathon. And I've got 16 miles to go to my goal. And so imagine having run 14 miles, you've already done a half marathon and you're in pain and you're hurting. And you recognize that it's not gonna get better. You're not gonna feel better in your legs and your lower back. It's only going to continue to that strain and that stress and that burn, it is going to continue to build. And I'm laughing to myself because I know that I'm going to reach my goal. I know for a fact that this pain I am feeling, I am going to use to propel me through this finish line. And that's exactly what I did. 17 miles. For 17 miles, my body was on fire. For 17 miles, my legs, my lower legs, my upper legs, my lower back is on fire. I am cramping. I don't even have more than a water bottle. I don't even have that. I don't have any motivation. I don't have that. I don't have a headlight. It's dark out. I don't have this idea that there's people cheering me on. I don't have that. What I have is this idea in my head that if I'm able to use what I have, this pain, this strange pain, to propel me forward, then I can quite literally take any input that's given to me. It doesn't matter what the input is. It doesn't matter if it's pain. It doesn't matter if it hurts. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be able to take that input and I'm going to be able to turn that into an ultra marathon. And this is an analogy. And you're waiting on motivation to feel better. And you're waiting on the day that you wake up and you feel different. And let me tell you this. If you're waiting for someone to put the fire under your ass, if you're waiting for you to put the fire under your ass, the day is never going to come. You're never going to get to that place. Do you know how you build a fire? Do you know how you do it? You take one incredibly small, fine piece of wood, a shaving, and you add to it. You take a match to it, and you add to it. And it's this real delicate thing at the very beginning to get the fire going. It's really delicate. you got to be real precise. you got to be real careful. you got to blow on it right you got to treat it the right way. you got to add the right tinder to it at the right time so that the flame takes. Everyone knows what a bonfire looks like. It, it has all of this energy that's emanating off of it. But the bonfire begins with just one match. And that one match goes onto a pile of tinder, a tinder pile. And then you build out that tinder pile into small pieces of twigs, into larger twigs, into incredibly small pieces of sticks, into bigger sticks, 
into bigger sticks, into tree limbs, into tree bows, and then into the actual body of the tree. That's how you build a bonfire. People want to be on fire. People want to be the bonfire, but they don't understand and they haven't connected that the way that you become a bonfire, the way that you set yourself on fire, because let me tell you, that's what you want. You look to people that have creative imagination. You look to people that are out, out there in the world actually doing things. You look to people that are inspiring. You look to people who are overcoming obstacles, overcoming circumstances. You look to those people and you admire them. And deep down, you know and I know damn well that their challenges are oftentimes much greater than anything that we have ever had. And that makes us feel bad, but it shouldn't. And their story doesn't mean that you can't have your own unique story. You've got a choice. You really do. The world right now is at a severe lack in a severe deficit of creative and original thinkers, of people who are bringing to the forefront ideas that have never been had, new technologies, new policies, new ways of thinking, new ways of living, new ways of approaching everyday aspects of life. These are the creators of the world. These are the saviors of the world. And the thing is, the world needs these people more than ever. The world needs you more than ever.